The Truth About College Admission podcast, as well as our book and workbook, are brought to you by Johns Hopkins Press. Visit press.jhu.edu to learn more about their wide selection of books and journals from the world's most trusted authors, experts, and sources. I am one of your hosts, Brennan Barnard, Director of College Counseling at Khan Schools Network and the College Admission Program Advisor at the Making Caring Common Project. And I am Rick Clark. I'm the Executive Director for Enrollment Management and Strategic Student Access at Georgia Tech. Today, we had the opportunity to speak with Gloria Crawford, who is the co-founder of Initial View. Initial View is a company that works with a number of uh, colleges around the country, interviewing students all around the world um, and helping them to tell their story. Um, Brennan really enjoyed the conversation with her. Yeah, it was great. And, you know, I love the way she kicked it off. I hope folks will listen to uh, her journey and um, the way she was really... Um, she really honed in on on kind of telling students to talk to current students uh, about their experience. And th- that was really, I think, formative for her in her search. And I, I think we we forget that a lot of times that, you know, in the college admission experience, they get so focused on um, just all the different messages coming in. And and she talked a little bit about that at the end, too, about the the just kind of where all the different messages come from and a lot of the misinformation out there. And so talking to people who, and, and you talk about this a lot, Rick, too, in, in some of our presentations at schools, is, you know, talking less to current high school students and talking more to students and parents who are in college. Mm-hmm. Um, so really taking advantage of that. I really liked how she kind of uh, emphasized that. Yeah, agreed. Um, the other thing, speaking of, um, you know, our messages, uh, is that we talk a lot about flipping words and um, replacing words. You know, this idea of instead of it being a process, it's more of an experience um, and a journey. You know, one of the things she talked about is the truth is it's really not an interview. It, it's more of a conversation that that's a person on the other side. Uh, that it's okay to, you know, to laugh, to show your personality, that you want to have an exchange, um, that it's not just somebody asking you a bunch of questions and then having like a sort of performative response, but instead really a dialogue where sometimes you might stumble over your words. That's okay. Sometimes you might mm-hmm. accidentally interview some or, or uh, actually, you know, interrupt somebody and that's okay. Um, didn't mean to actually stumble over my words as I was making a point of stumbling <laughs> words, but yeah, case sure in point, right? right? We're right. all, we're humans. This is two humans having a conversation. It's, <laughs> it's fine. Um, so anyway, she is, she is really great. I love how, um, mm. you know, just authentic she is and just how much joy she brings. And I think people will enjoy uh, this, this discussion with Gloria Crawford from Initial View. Today, we are joined by Gloria Crawford, co-founder of Initial View. Welcome, Gloria. Hi, it's good to be here. Gloria, we really appreciate you joining us. Um, and, uh, <clears throat> you know, want to, uh, before we kind of delve into talking about interviews, um, which obviously you have lots and lots of experience about, and I think both parents and students will be very curious to hear some of your insight and tips. Um, what we like to start out with is just framing for a second, like, you know, your own college admission journey. And I know that you have a senior in high school and a junior in high school that are coming Mm -hmm. quickly through this as well. Um, And so it's fine if you want to reference that too. But in thinking about your own, um, love to hear, you know, kind of 
how that went for you. And if you reflect on it, like, is there a takeaway and especially reliving it again now with your own kids <laughs> um, <laughs> that you feel like would be helpful to either parents or students? Yeah. Um, so I grew up in Bellevue, Washington, and I went to a small Christian school there. And we had a counselor, a college counselor. Well, actually, back then, I think they called them gu guidance counselors. So she kind of was all the things. Um, and I didn't have a lot of guidance in terms of what to do. I am a child of immigrants. So my parents kind of had a sense of we worked hard to get over here. Now it's your turn to <laughs> make the most of it. Um, and so had a really, really high expectations for us as kids in terms of going to the name brand schools. Um, but going to a Christian, small Christian school, not a lot of the students there were looking to go to necessarily the name brand schools. They were looking at locally and um, Christian education. That being said, um, my mother had somehow heard of Wellesley, which is where I went <laughs> um, ultimately. And at the time I had never heard of Wellesley. And I was like, what is that? <laughs> she said, it's a small women's college and a lot of great women come out of there. And I'm thinking, mm -hmm. I don't wanna go to a girl's school. What are you doing? Like, yeah. This is definitely not what I want. Um, but I, um, I was really grateful that my mother actually kind of introduced me to someone who she knew a friend whose daughter went there and that daughter kind of talked to me. And um, I appreciated having a current student's perspective. And that is one thing that I often am telling other families, like if you can find a current student at a school to talk to you about their experience, that's going to be loads more useful than a website even, you know, because um, they're getting, they're giving you a perspective that you probably don't have yourself. So anyhow, I applied early action <laughs> to Wellesley, sight unseen, never had been there, never had heard of it, but just was kind of appeasing my mother, honestly, yeah. um, went through the whole process. And of course, it was the first school I heard back from, which is always great to kind of have a yes early on in the process um yeah. and but i was a little bit like no <laughs> i don't want to go there um but again talking to that um current student and her explaining kind of her experience and how wonderful it was and how empowering it was for her as a girl as a woman um mm. but also having um boston as a backdrop and meeting so many students from all over, you know, just by taking a bus to MIT or Harvard or, you know, BC, BU and all the schools around there. So um, I ended up there and I loved it. I will tell you, honestly, my first week there, I thought I made a huge mistake. <laughs> um, and but I think that and I think we'll talk about this later a little bit, but advice would be don't make assumptions about your experience the first week at any school <laughs> mm -hmm. um and what you make of it is going to be your experience right how you decide to dive in and i i think i got over that first week of oh no i made a huge mistake and started meeting people and starting being intentional about finding my people and i am really really grateful for my time at wellfleet well, and your your mom was right. An impressive woman came out of there. So um, we 
have we have been impressed by um, what you all have done uh, at Initial View, and you've done some really innovative work with a uh, piece of the admission experience that is kind of age old. And uh, would love to hear more about your origin story, Initial View, and your mission. Yeah, well, I um, have to bring in my husband, obviously, for this part of the story. Um, for those who don't know, Initial View is started by uh, co a co-founder team, which happens to be a, the co-founder of the Crawford family as well. <laughs> my husband, Terry, um, is the CEO of Initial View, and he um, was a lawyer in a past life. And we lived in China. Uh, we lived in Beijing and he was working at a New York law firm. And at the time we were always thinking this isn't the end all be all for him as a career. Um, and so he was the entrepreneurial one. I um, am more of the execution person <laughs> in the partnership. And so he would have visionary ideas and I would come alongside and say, okay, well, how can we really make this happen? So initially, honestly, um, Terry was involved in some hiring decisions um, in the law firm. They would be looking for legal assistants and paralegals um, who were local from Beijing or Hong Kong or wherever in Asia, um, but that could work in a New York uh, multinational firm. And mm -hmm. resumes would come in beautiful resumes. <laughs> mm. um, but then within 30 seconds of meeting someone, often you would think, mm, this isn't going to work. And now we have to spend an hour with them knowing that it's not going to work. So at the time, Terry said, why isn't there some, we live in a digital world, why isn't there some kind of screening tool that could really help us save a lot of time? <laughs> I mean, partners are billing out at 100 hundreds of dollars an hour, we do want, we don't want to be spending that time trying to just suss out whether or not this resume is accurate. So that's actually how the idea was born. And we sort of fell into admissions. And Rick is actually a big part of our origin story. <laughs> Terry and Rick are good friends um, and just catching up on the phone. And Terry kind of told him about this idea. And at the time, Rick was like, oh, that's kind of cool idea. But I don't see it. I don't see it in admissions. But one day it was like, actually, <laughs> this could be helpful. Um, and so Georgia Tech was our first pilot um, where they were seeing an influx of international applicants that all looked very, very similar on paper. Um, and his international admissions person was like, if I could just meet them for 30 seconds, I really could make a better decision. And we were like, well, we can meet them. We can help you meet them. <laughs> and that's um, how the idea was born. I'll be really frank in the very beginning. I think we were concerned about English proficiency and fraud. Um, mm. But over the years, that has kind of taken seconds, you know, second stage, because what we realized is that in these conversations with students, we were finding out so much more about personality and fit and, and readiness um, and really communication ability, which is very different than English proficiency. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, it's it's so interesting to look back at those early years for us on the other side, receiving the interviews and um, how with so many students, uh, great numbers and good grades and all the things on paper, um, how thinking about how the student's going to really show up 
back to what you were referencing earlier and interact with classmates and participate in classroom discussions and, you know, bringing really a voice, right? Because admission people all the time say, we just want to hear your voice, just want to hear your voice. And, you know, appreciate Terry helping and, and you, of course, as well, solving the problem of bringing the voice right there um, into our admission committee review. Um, now, of course, that was well over a decade ago. Um, you guys have done thousands of interviews um, and you have many interviewers all mm -hmm. over the world. Um, and, and increasingly, those are you know, not only international, but domestically here in the United States. Um, I'm curious, like right now is a popular time for students to be doing interviews. Um, it could be for admission. Uh, honors programs, scholarship programs, the spring, you know, brings a lot of this. Uh, I know for us at Georgia Tech, we're about to do a couple round of scholarship interviews. So, you know, in your opinion, as a student is preparing for an interview, or if you're a parent, you're trying to help your student, you know, prepare for an interview, what are some tips and advice based on what ultimately you've seen? Sure. I mean, it's really, really hard when someone asks me that right before they are going to do an interview, because so much of the quote unquote interview prep actually happens way before, mm -hmm. <laughs> because knowing yourself is honestly the biggest part of doing an interview. If you don't really know your why or um, how to explain something that you've done, then you're going to have a hard time regardless. And there, you can't really cram <laughs> that right before an interview. So, you know, a lot of my advice to parents and students is way before you know that you're going to need to do an interview mm -hmm. is the time that you should be asking yourself questions. And, um, <clears throat> you know, I think the other thing is interview, that word can be scary. And really what you're doing is you're having a conversation. No and so, so when you think about interview prep, you're not, you shouldn't be listing the questions and then just trying to figure out what the answer to the question is. You're really like approaching it. Like I'm going to talk to this person and how can I explain and be compelling without memorizing some answers, you know? And I think that is the danger with interview prep. A lot of times you're like, okay, what's the list of questions? Now mm -hmm. let me figure out the answers because the reality is in a conversation, there's not really a right answer. Um, it's really about making a connection with someone. And wow. so I think my biggest piece of advice is one, you got to know yourself. But two, you basically want to think about how do I talk to someone where they can kind of understand where I'm coming from and maybe meet them where they are, because that that connection is going to be the thing that draws someone in, wants to keep you in the conversation, but also make you memorable when they're ultimately making those decisions. Yeah. So, so what, I mean, that's, it's a great point. So what does, um, how do you form those connections? How do you make those, um, how do you make it um, become compelling and um, take that, that student who otherwise might be just kind of unmemorable or kind of a fine interview and make it compelling? Yeah, I, I will go to some examples, I think, some memorable examples for myself um, to kind of draw this out. I think the thing is being kind of an active listener and sizing up the person you're talking to. So I'll give an example. There was one year where a student was sort of what I would call a stereotypical math geek. <laughs> like he, <laughs> he loved math and he wrote, he's with part of an IB curriculum. So he was doing his extended essay on math and chess and it was 
really kind of high level. And most interviewers would be like, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, And he kind of started diving into some of his research. And then he suddenly paused and he just looked at the interviewer. He's like, wait, do you play chess? And in that moment, I was like, he just set himself, uh, you know, out because he knew to Mm. ask the interviewer a question because Mm. it was like, if you don't play chess, I'm going to have to go back here and explain a few things. But if you do play chess, I can dive in. Right. And that soft skill. I think was something that made him stand out from the crowd, right? Because everybody can explain to you some of these high level concepts of math, but to be able to kind of connect with another person and then say, because the interviewer was like, oh yeah, actually I do play chess. He's like, oh, great. Then, you know, and it was cute because you could see kind of his, Mm -hmm. um, personality light up a little bit, even though he wasn't an extrovert by any means. And he wasn't kind of what you would, I think some people are anxious about interviews, like, oh, I need to be a really bubbly personality or really um, engaging. But it wasn't that. But something lit up in his eyes just ever so slightly. We're like, yes, like I can now go deeper Mm. into this conversation. So that's just an example of if you can listen and like kind of be aware of what the interviewer might be trying to draw out of you, you're going to be able to have a deeper, more meaningful conversation. I love that. You know, um, I think flipping that a little bit, um, that it's not necessarily an interview, it's more of a connection. It's meant to be an exchange would and should help um, students kind of breathe a little bit easier, just mentally in their mind saying, all right, I'm going to cross that word out. It's, it's not an interview. This is about a conversation. It's about making a connection. It's about having, you know, an exchange. I think that's, um, I think that's really helpful and, and really important. And, you know, similarly, like we tell students this a lot about their essay because they get very nervous about writing their essay. Mm-hmm. And what we're, what we say, and this is true of interviews too, is like, have you ever gone to a movie hoping it's terrible? Or have you over ever opened a book and like, I just, I just hope this sucks. I want to waste my time here. You know, nobody, no human does that. And that's one thing that is important for students to be reminded of. These are just people like to that, to that kid's question, do you play chess? Like being reminded, this is not an interviewer who like sleeps in their office and never leaves and has no family or Instagram accounts or dogs. They are real people. And I think if they can be mindful of that, it's like, okay, I know about this person one thing, and that is they're like every other human on the planet. Like they start out wanting to have this exchange and and really wanting you to do well, like Mm -hmm. wanting it to be enjoyable. And I think if you can breathe in that regard to your point of saying it's a conversation, and then secondly, like they want this to also be really positive. They're not here to just like bust me or put me on the spot or make me uncomfortable. Like- I just feel like people start breathing then and then they go into it to your point, like ready and almost even excited about it. I think that's like a reasonable expectation. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say, you know, sometimes um, you're afraid of being interrupted. Um, And in fact, our interviewers sometimes interrupt just because they know that you're kind of stuck (laughs) in Mm. a place in your story where you're, you know, you're not actually telling something meaningful but it happens in our everyday conversation. We're talking over each other often, right? Because you're clarifying something or you're you're reminded of something of your own story. 
And that connection piece is actually coming out as an interruption. And so I think sometimes students feel like, oh, no, I'm being interrupted. And, you know, or I didn't get a chance to tell you my whole story. But the reality is that interruption is actually helping you tell your story better. And so mm -hmm. if you can kind of approach it, remembering like when you talk to your friends, you guys definitely interrupt each other. <laughs> you definitely kind of crack a joke or, you know, it's OK to laugh during an interview. Yeah. It's OK. And stumbling over your words, I think people are, are often really worried about. I have stumbled over my words like 10 times, 20 times in the time that we've been talking. And I think it's okay, you know, mm -hmm. because you're a real person. And when you are going to that college or when you are in that honors program or when you, you, you will have moments where you're stuttering or you're kind of thinking on the fly, and that is what the decision maker wants to see. They want to imagine you and what you're like in that community. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, when people hear about your company and they realize like, okay, you guys are doing virtual interviews for hundreds, thousands of kids that are going to get sent to again, you know, dozens and dozens, dozens of uh, colleges, you know, all around the country. One thing I know that you and, and Terry do and other um, representatives from your company is that you meet with lots of admission people, right? Um, deans, directors, but also, you know, admission counselors and, and first readers, right? People that um, are very involved with uh, making admission decisions, you know, operating under the pressures of making a class and selecting students and that kind of thing. And now, of course, you've been going through this with your oldest son and your um, your middle child is right behind as a junior. Yep. Um, so I'm just kind of curious, both from your professional interactions, but then also as a parent kind of living this lately for parents in particular, I guess, as we as we close, I'm just wondering, like, what would you hope that people would know or hear from you that you feel like could be really valuable? Like, do you have sort of like that sort of sky banner <laughs> message uh, <laughs> that you could pull it across? You'd want people to, to hear from you? Save yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's really, it's it's so hard. And I will say I have been admissions adjacent for about 15 years. So people always think you should know, you know, how this goes. And I was like, do you know how many mistakes I feel like I've made, even though I've been talking to all these admissions officers and seeing kind of the process throughout um, so I want to first say it is hard and it is not clear um, as much as we all try to make it clear. It's really not clear. Mm -hmm. And so, one, don't feel bad that you feel like it's not clear. <laughs> um, and so that's my first thing to, to reassure people like, yeah, even someone who is supposed to be in it feels kind of overwhelmed. The other thing is there's a lot of information out there and not all of it is great. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I think there's a temptation to join all of the parent groups, but all of the parent groups kind of freaked me out. <laughs> like I was like, this isn't, I don't think some of this stuff is not helpful. And some of it is just there to like, make you feel like playing the comparison game. And that's never good. So no. I would say, be cautious about the information that you're consuming um, and, you know, seek experts like Rick and Brennan, <laughs> um, but, but also not get like overwhelmed by the extra information. Um, 
finally, I would say, you know, I think the admissions piece, you know, I tell Trey and Sean and Mia this all the time, your worth is not in the college that you get into. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, you don't need to play this like trophy game of like, how many acceptances are you going to get? Because at the end of the day, we're just going to one. (laughs) You're just going to one. So don't get caught up in that. Um, And and understand that colleges, they do have all of these goals that you don't know about, and that's completely out of your control. No. So so keep that in mind that you're just not going to know everything. So then the real advice is, what is your story? And I think a lot of people try really hard to stack kind of their resume and stack like, Um, achievements. And I see that in the interviews, actually, because students will come like, ready with their list. And you're like, I don't, I don't need to know the 25 things that you've done. Let's just talk about a few that really are meaningful to you. And I think the temptation is like, people want to stack and make this list, when the reality is, college admissions officers are looking for your whole story. And that is not going to come out by just listing your achievements. You've got to do the homework of being like, why do I do the things that I do? Is it purely just because I need to get a 4.0 and a 1600 on the SAT? Like, or is it because I really find this interesting? And you want to keep an admissions officer in your file. And like a lot of people have those lists. And that's not what keeps someone in your file, right? What keeps someone in your file is that compelling piece that we were talking about earlier in the interview. And that compelling piece is that story that you're trying to figure out. So again, parents, don't play the comparison game. Like, oh, what are your stats? I see that all the time in all the parent Mm -hmm. groups. I'm like, it's not the stats. (laughs) I mean, the stats help you become more admissible, I guess. Like you're in the pool of admissibility if you do well in school. But it really is kind of that spark and I don't like saying spark because I don't want it to seem like you have to be a certain kind of personality but it is what like draws you in to keep listening to your story to keep reading your story to keep discussing your story with your colleagues and that's um that's what I'm trying to find with my own children you know like it's Mm -hmm. hard it's hard because they play the comparison game too and like it then, and it's hard. It's kind of not fair, honestly, to ask a 17 year old, like, what do you want to do with your life? Right. <laughs> and like, yeah. why do you do the things that you do? Like, well, I'm just doing the things that everybody else is doing. So, so it is, I, you know, it's hard. I'm just going to say it's hard, but I'm with you. <laughs> I, <laughs> I feel for you. And if you ever want to ping me to just talk about the stress of being a high school parent, I'd love to do that. <laughs> But wow. hang in there. the The kids are going to be okay. The kids are. Yeah. Gonna be okay. <laughs> well, thank you, Gloria, for sharing your story and for allowing lots of students everywhere to share theirs. It's it's a great thing you're doing. Thanks so much for having me. We hope you enjoyed that conversation today with Gloria Crawford from Initial View. And especially if you're a student who is uh, getting ready to do an interview this spring with. Uh, an admission counselor or somebody on the scholarship side or within an honors program in particular, um, that you'll take some of that to heart. And for parents as well, just her closing, I thought was um, really appropriate and helpful to just talk to experts, but also just be reminded that, uh, 
you know, we all get worked up about things and, and that's not abnormal. Um, so as we close, I did want to particularly thank our season two uh, partner, Grown and Flown. Um, I've had the opportunity to work with them for a number of years and they are an excellent resource for parents of high school students. Um, they have a website full of expert content on college admission and really all aspects of raising teens. A lot of how Gloria framed things, I think, falls in with their message as well, trying to give support around this. They have an affordable monthly membership called College Admission Grown and Flown for Families uh, who have questions about admissions and how to pay for college. So in the show notes, you can check out a link there. It's a, a three-week free um, opportunity. And I just want to highly recommend that as a great place to find current reliable advice from admission experts in weekly live sessions, as well as the ability to go back and check out some of their archive videos too. Again, today we uh, enjoyed talking with Gloria Crawford from Initial View, and we hope you have a great week. Look forward to catching up with you soon on a new and next episode.